0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Periodic Table, episode 45, That's What We Do-Do. <laughs> he said do-do. Recorded January 17th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. elementopie.com
1: Powered by two potatoes and an onion.
0: And here we are once again with yet another episode of The Periodic Table. This one, episode number 45. It has the atomic weight of 45. No, wait. That's Rubidium. Rhodium, excuse me. Rubidium was last week. Rhodium has the atomic weight of 45. Isn't that Tony Stark's friend? Uh, could be. That's just Rodi. Sorry, close. And uh, here to tell us all about Rhodium is Random British Chick.
2: Rhodium, element 45, is a silvery white metal. Rhodium has a higher melting point and lower density than platinum. It has a high reflectance and is hard and durable. Upon heating, it turns to the oxide when red, and at higher temperatures turns back to the element. It is now a major component of industrial
0: catalysts. So there you go. I did not know that. So you can heat it and it can change states from an element to an atom and then back. That's kind of cool. Or an element to an ion and back. That's very cool. So it gains. What does that mean? It gains an electron. That's what an ion is, right? Mm-hmm. Or loses an electron. One of the two. I guess it can go. There's positive and negative ions.
1: And That's the, like the
0: old the old nerd joke. Huh?
1: Are you an ion? Yes. How do you know? I'm positive.
0: Yeah. Something like that. And mm-hmm. then there's the uh, the the negative ions are the ones that are in the magic silicon wristwatch that will make you keep your balance. Right. Yeah, the an anion. Yeah.
1: Because they absorb magically through the silicone covering the free radicals that are in your blood because of the processed meats that you ate that's in your colon that needs to be cleansed out of you and don't stand near gluten.
0: And that guy right there is Aaron Butler giving some of the best diet advice you could ever have. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Mark. And also joining us back this week is Mr. Seth Anderson. Hiya, Seth.
2: Hey, Mark. Hello, everyone. I'm sure I'm breaking up about like normal.
0: All right. Or Max Headroom, as we like to call him. At yes, Max Headroom. He's Seth is coming to us over uh, two tin cans and a string strung across. Uh, it's something like the that the professor would have made out of uh, vines and coconuts yeah, on Gilligan's yeah. Island. Coconuts yeah, you in 2,400
2: balls. If you do hear noise, it is me stirring the water in the coconuts that I. <laughs> on earlier today
0: powered by two potatoes and an onion that's right you got every now and then he's got to swap out the potato to keep the uh the uh, little router going so uh, that's a a foreshadowing Uh, i have launched just this week a new show that i I think i may have mentioned on the show i don't remember it's called sound and fury it's you have not uh, mentioned on the show i have not okay uh it's it's not like anything we've ever done before it's me it's my. It's just my musings, my ramblings. Uh, it's there are no guests. There's not necessarily any uh, uh, primary tenant. It's just me. But the show that I've been working on that I'll probably be recording maybe this weekend, sometime next week. I'm not sure. Um, is all about batteries, which we were talking about the the uh, potatoes and and the current and and that, so I've been studying up on batteries and capacitors and and portable power. Um, Speaking of batteries is do
1: you know that if you have your lights on all day in the parking garage <laughs> when you come out and you push your little key fob on your car it just laughs at you it, it doesn't turn the lights on or unlock the doors it just goes wah wah and uh and then when you uh, when you get your friend mark to bring his truck around to jump your truck your car off <clears throat> as soon as you reconnect the battery and hit the go button it the starts going
0: wah, wah, wah.
1: but luckily uh, your friend mark also happens to own a honda and um so he uh knew that you had to unlock lock and unlock the door with the key fob to stop the alarm <clears throat> thanks
0: to Georgia mom having the same problem before Yes thanks to a, Excuse me thanks to a well-intentioned off-duty police officer who walked up to this frantic woman who'd been sitting in a parking lot for 20 minutes with her van horn honking and said either that's the worst crook ever or <laughs> she needs some help
1: Right So then when I got in, I have the fancy-dancy, you know, uh, nav system built in with a touchscreen, and it pops up and wants a security pin. I was like, huh, I wonder what it is. Zero, 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 zero. Nope. One, 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 one. Nope. One, two, three, four. Nope. Well, maybe it's a 2009, you know, that's the default pin by the year, and then you pro- you're supposed to change it like a, you know, like a default pin you get. 2009. Nope. Well, maybe I actually said it. I can't remember. I, I remember something about a pin, so I use my standard four-digit pin. Nope. Beep, 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 click. And away goes the pin pad and a little red light that says anti-theft starts flashing. <laughs> and uh,
0: Because if you're going to steal the car, you might need the GPS. So yeah. it's important to disable that.
1: I guess that's just the – so if you steal the if you disconnect the radio from the battery and then try to put it in somewhere else, you don't know the pin, it won't work. But So anyway, uh, so I Googled it because that's what you do when you have a problem nowadays. And the Google, and the Google said, um, normally you can contact the manufacturer, i.e. Honda, give them your VIN the day you purchase the car, your name, your phone number, and they will give you that pin that I needed. Uh, of course, mine bought mine new, so I couldn't do that. But the funny part was, is it said once you've locked yourself out of it, the only way to get it back is to disconnect the battery again, kill the battery. So I came home, I disconnected the battery, waited about five minutes, didn't work. Disconnected again, waited about 15 minutes, didn't reset it. It was still locked out. So this morning I got up, went outside, and guess what? While I was trying to do that, I'd managed to leave the interior light on, and my battery was dead again. <laughs> Jumped the car off again, and the thing still wasn't dead enough to reset the stupid uh, nav security. <laughs> so I drove to work, fairly disgruntled about it. <clears throat> Luckily, I had a uh, tight white Tech episode on my phone that I just listened to laying in my lap. And then I uh, got back to the office, went to go to lunch, cranked up the car, and there's the pin pad asking me for the pin. And I had looked in the glove box on a sticker because they said sometimes they'll put them on a sticker in the glove box. And there it was, 1986, so if you want to steal my radio, you can now typed in 1986 and voila just like that the only one was it the year that that uh that axel rose ruled the world but it's also the pin number to reset my navigation <laughs> and uh that's the end of the story
0: so now you have satellite navigation again which leads us perfectly into our first story of the week a I'll woman who overly trusted her satellite navigation you ever seen uh the the disney pixar movie cars Yes. It's one of my favorites, one of my kids' favorites. There's, you know, these two characters, Minnie and Van, and uh, um, the woman who owns the cozy cone, I've forgotten her name,
1: the woman, the woman. Holly
0: Treadwell. No, that's she's in the second one. What's her name? Anyway. I can't believe I don't remember her name. Yeah, the the rookie's girlfriend. Anyway, she offers him a map, and he says, that's why we bought the GPS. Never need a map again. Well, a Belgian woman believed her GPS blindly and instead of taking it uh her clearly her gps um messed up uh but a woman by the name of sabine Moreau, 67 years old so we can forgive her a little bit of uh technology ignorance at being 67 years old with sally Um, i'm sorry sally oh yeah that's right sally at the cozy cone yeah so uh Sabine Moreau, Belgian woman, got in her car, punched up uh, an address roughly 38 miles away uh, from herself. Uh, actually, she was headed back home. Took a wrong turn. Apparently, a very bad wrong turn. And ended up, once again, I said she's in Belgium. Ended up in Zagreb, Croatia. Yes. That's Rough- just
1: right in the street, right, Mark?
0: <laughs> yeah. Roughly 900 miles away from where she actually intended to be. She had to fill up with gas several times and even pulled over to sleep because she got tired. But at no point did she ever imagine that the GPS might be steering her in the wrong direction. Took her two days.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I read this story and I cannot believe it unless, you know, she has dementia or something. Because how can you not know that 37 miles doesn't, I mean, golly, I used to could go 37 miles on a tank of gas.
0: Yeah, so. she went across Belgium, because she lived on the edge of Belgium. She went across Belgium, through Germany, through Austria, through Slovenia, and halfway into Croatia to get to Zagreb. She said, wow. I noticed the signs were in different languages, but I was just trusting the GPS and, quote, kept my foot down
1: yeah and then she says i was a bit absent-minded as i had a few things to think about i suppose i think she was on a doobie run that's what it was and she's she's faking a fugue state
0: those belgian doobies they're the yep. best right there
1: um, uh, well you know that reminds me of the episode of the office where dwight and, and michael are trying to go somewhere and michael's got a new fancy navigator and it says turn right now and he's like you know 100 feet from the stoplight stop sign right well, at the corner of the stop sign is a lake. <laughs> He's like, I've got to turn. Dwight's like, don't turn. He's like, I have to turn. Don't turn, Michael. I have to turn. She said, turn. He just turns right into
0: the lake. <laughs> it was awesome. Anyway. So when she when she realized she was in, in uh, uh, Croatia, she turned around and drove another 30 plus hours back to her house by this point her son had put out basically an all all points bulletin on her the police were involved when she got there the police said well she didn't do anything wrong it's a rather incredible story but it's not illegal to tell us an incredible story so yeah there's nothing we can do
1: i mean it's probably to the point she probably should it would be safer for her to take a train
0: yes she said, I stopped several times for petrol and paid with my credit card. And when I felt tired, uh, I stopped for a few hours to sleep on the car, uh, in the car. I was a bit absent minded, um, and had a few things to think about. <laughs> the police officer said these GPS systems cause problems from, t- from time to time, but nothing like this. This woman has done nothing wrong and we just have to believe her. Yeah, cause
2: she's done something wrong. <laughs> Um, there, there's just no way. I mean, I don't know. I don't... Well, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's hard to believe, right? Um, it is. It's,
2: it is unbelievable. I I don't believe the story. I mean, I don't think that it's a hoax that they put on there, but I, I don't believe the story.
1: It, I say it might it's be not true, credible.
2: but it is unbelievable.
1: I say it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. she would be much safer on a train.
0: Yeah, or supervised. I mean, a woman who can do that, again, 67 years old, entering the uh, uh, later stages of her life, probably should not be taking unsupervised trips. Yeah.
1: But a train would be safer, Mark. A, a yeah. train is usually a safe mode of travel.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, for that subtle transition.
1: Well, I told you earlier I was going to do segways, and you're just yeah bl- you're blatantly ignoring me. I just wasn't so done
0: with that one yet. I wasn't I was done.
1: done. Yeah. I was done. She went. She drove on nine hundred miles. She's crazy. It's over. Uh,
0: so, the the trains generally are safer unless they're driven by cleaning ladies. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's I would say
1: true. that cl- cleaning ladies and Keanu
0: Reeves. <laughs> yes. So Reuters Reuters excuse me reports that a cleaning lady allegedly stole a Swedish train and drove it off the tracks outside of Stockholm. She took it around the block. It's not clear where the 20 something got access to the key and how she why she needed to start the train. Uh but there was nobody around. There was nobody in the house and fortunately nobody was hurt. But uh she
2: I would just like to I would just like to point out that it would take a woman driver to get um, a train off of a track. I mean, how hard is it to follow the tracks?
0: Well, it says that she was traveling at a much higher rate of speed than that area was designed to. And so she got to the end of the track where they have that big barrier, and she was going so fast she just blew right through the barrier.
1: If if this would happen in Florida, they would interview her, and she would say, Look, I just need to run down to the quickie (laughs) mark. And my car was out of gas, and I saw the train sitting there, and I thought, I'll put it back before anybody even knows that it's gone. Yeah. And and then uh, it didn't go that way.
0: The article says the cleaner drove the train at high speed, considerably higher than normal on that stretch, to where the rail ends and into a house. Through. <laughs> yeah, through a house, yeah. The train <laughs> plowed past the end of the line and vaulted over a street, separating the house from the depot. The house... Not that the train separated the house. Uh crashing through the balcony into a downstairs room in an upscale suburb of Saltlbaiden. So there you go. Um Which is which is better? Um a cleaning lady on a train or an old lady in a car? Who knows?
2: Uh I don't know the cleaning i mean you know maybe she was just trying to like take the trash out of the house and (laughs) to get started or something i i just
0: it looked just like my car (laughs) yeah every time i read these stories i try to to put myself in the situation try to figure out why these people act like they do it's the psychologist in me i got nothing for this one the old lady i can understand but this one the 20 year old i got nothing
2: but here's the thing. I believe this story over the last one. <laughs> if you were telling me one of these stories is true and one is false, which one is true? And I would say some woman swiped a key and stole a train and drove it off the tracks. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it, uh, uh, it's possible that up until this point, she'd been a model employee, much like the next person in our next story had been a model employee. Uh, and, and frankly, Chris. I'm sorry.
1: Tim Chris, it's a, it's another story related to this one. Okay, I'll, I'll tell it in a minute. Sorry. Frankly,
0: I think this fellow uh, should be commended more than uh, than condemned. A software developer, uh, unknown, unnamed software developer at an unnamed company, for obvious reasons. Um yeah, he was in his forties and is uh, <laughs> said to have paid a Chinese firm a sixth, uh, a fifth of his six figure salary to do his job for him, while he spent his days surfing the internet so basically this guy is a high-paid programmer he found a uh, an outsource company in china paid them fifty thousand dollars a year to write code for him so when something needed to be done he would simply send the assignment to the outsourcing company they would send the code back no no problem They, they needed to figure out how he could get into the network so he physically mailed his uh key fob security thing to them so that for, the, for as far as the system was concerned, it just looked like he was working from home. His uh managers say he was a a model employee, actually one of the top ranking uh, employees. They said his code was impeccable uh, and it was always on time, and yet still he is no longer with the company. I think it's interesting that you know the uh, the the thing there that the company should learn is maybe they should be hiring the Chinese company, yeah and not the programmers It says he may have done this with up to five other jobs. So it may have been employed at six, a total of six places, collecting hundreds of thousands of, of dollars a year, and outsourcing it for you know roughly twenty percent of his income. Well, you know
1: if he would have, he just—I was going to say if he hired himself to them as John's consulting firm instead of just John, right? Nobody would have had a problem with it. It happens all day, every day. They hire Mark to come in and his company's going to write code for him, and they might have six customers, and he's got a group of people that are working on it. It's no big deal, and everybody's fine with it. Just the fact that he did it
0: covertly. You were saying, Seth? Well, I was going to say, he just
2: didn't do a good job of explaining himself. He was running an outsourcing pilot program <laughs> to see if it was feasible for the company. That's all he had to say is, I'm piloting a program, and I was going to bring it up you know, two weeks before my review to get a good race.
0: He so. it said the uh the only thing that caught him was uh an independent company did a security audit and noticed that somebody from Shenyang, China was accessing their network and said, Hey, this might be a problem. So in tracking it down, they found that the person from Shenyang, China was using this man's um uh RSA and then, token and went from there.
1: Yeah, so the, the Tim Chris story goes like this. My sister Years ago, worked for a large—not large—a small, privately owned fastener company, <clears throat> and they hired this guy named Chris to write them uh, an inventory tracking and sales program. You know, this is probably early '90s. So, they Chris wrote the application, delivered the application to them, uh, custom work exactly what they needed because they kind of had a, a strange hybrid hybrid business where they did some stuff wholesale, some stuff retail. All this kind of stuff. He delivered the product. It worked fine. They'd have problems. They'd call him. Well, then one day, they're they're talking to him, and he's, like, whispering. And then they realize that this guy, all this time that he's been working for them, actually has a day job. And he's been writing their code sitting in his cube at his real job. And his real name's not even Chris. It's Tim. (laughs) He'd given them a fake name (laughs) and uh, was, was... basically this guy Tim worked for a company as a programmer and was moonlighting doing code for other people under different names. And so I guess the, the fake name was so he wouldn't get, you know, found out or whatever. So when they found out, they, they thought it was funny. They were happy with what he had done. And so they called him Tim Chris from them on, then on just to, just to give
0: him a hard time. <laughs> so yeah, so, that's, that's one of those crazy things. I mean, clearly this is a dishonest employee and I'm sure yeah. he broke some rules. Um, but it goes on to say that quarter after quarter his performance was noted uh, review noted him as the best developer in the building. He's the best guy we got. He's a whole team, that's why. <laughs> that's right. Um He needs the Tim Chris Award. <laughs> so you, it's kinda you put you in a tough situation, right? Do you want to have this guy working for well, actually you don't need him. You can just remove him for the from the equation, start paying the Chinese um company. Seventy five thousand problem yeah, problem solved. That he spent his days watching youtube and reading reddit and playing on facebook all day long while somebody else did his work at the end of the day the chinese uh, company would send him the daily code he would submit it as his own go about his business
2: well he purchased the code it was his i don't understand the problem (laughs) i mean you know if if i did not know how to code and i got a job as a coder and i sit there watching youtube videos for code snippets or went to com, or whatever and i you know use the example in my code i don't see what the problem is i just think there's you know there's a nice there's an argument that could be made that he got the job done and in america isn't that the important thing that you got the job done
0: well in america one of the important things is that you register to vote and uh, this is a bit of an old story, recently released but old news. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Barack H. Obama registered to vote. That's not terribly unusual, except that Barack H. Obama, President Barack H. Obama, wouldn't have registered to vote in Pittsburgh. It's it's actual. It's in a college town uh, outside of Pittsburgh. Um, uh, actually. Filled out a card as Barack H. Obama and uh, put the president's birthday on it. Somebody entered it into the computer as Obana, O-B-A-N-A. So that's what was in the computer. But the actual card said Barack H. Obama and had the birth date of 8 sixty one. Barack Obama's birthday. And uh, the, upon investigation, they discovered that uh, it was uh, never used to vote it was just a false uh, registration but interestingly uh the feds don't think this is funny this is a federal offense falsifying yeah, a federal document yeah
1: um yeah. um that's something you don't want to outsource that's for
0: sure <laughs> yeah so uh we don't they don't have any no way of ever finding out who it does this was 2008 so it was 4 years or 5 almost now well 4 and and change years ago so there's no way they're going to find out who it did who did it and they suspect it was just a college kid as a prank but i just thought it was interesting that uh barack obama registered to vote in philadelphia in uh, pittsburgh pennsylvania as well they should probably do
2: a face search for um hey i registered as barack obama uh
0: (laughs) that's not a bad idea
1: the address listed on the card used to belong to a former dormitory at a university. That that gives it right there. And the phone number was listed as 555
0: Yeah.
1: It was definitely a prank.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the, or a dare. A you know, dare. Yeah.
1: Like a fraternity thing.
0: The, the uh, investigator said, you know, it was the name that threw at the red flag. He said, I would have had the same reaction if it had read Mitt Romney, Snoop Dogg, Mario, Mario Lemieux, or Julius Caesar. You know, it was just a name that you went, huh? That's not right. Um, so there you go. Quick give, question. Side yes. note
1: uh-huh um excuse me uh major political candidates do they always have to have interesting names so george bush obviously is, is a fairly common one but you got mitt romney and barack obama this year as the two presidential right. candidates
0: and well, john biden- Kerry is a fairly boring name yeah biden is not
1: a name that i've ever met anybody other than or heard anybody other than him
0: I don't know, Bill Clinton. I I think your 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 theory is falling apart.
1: So, in other words, my theory holds up as long as you only look at this year's presidential
2: campaign. (laughs) It's a it's a trend. You're you're predicting a trend. That's right. That's right. Well, I was just thinking
1: other ones like uh, uh, Dukakis came to mind, right? And and Mondale and just I was just thinking there's not a lot of Smiths, not a lot of Jones. Not a lot of Williams or Henry's. I don't know.
2: Or maybe there are, and we just don't remember them. If we went back and scoured the records, oh, we're those.
1: And yeah, what's his name? Um, uh, What's the really funny guy's name? Really, really funny from the 60s. Maybe it was 70s. He was, who was Nixon's vice president?
0: Spiro Agnew.
1: Thank you. (laughs) There's not too many. I've never run into another Spiro
0: Agnew. Right, another Spiro Agnew. (laughs) That's, That's new. But what what seems to be important today is not so much the name as the hair. The guy with the biggest hair wins, which is uh, so stunning to me that Romney and Ryan lost because that was the hair ticket. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, it, it just I really couldn't understand how big hair and little hair could lose to almost no hair, but it 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 did. It's uh, it was it was unprecedented, frankly. It set a new record in po- American political history. <laughs> So let's move on from Pittsburgh to our favorite state of Florida, in Manatee, Florida. Is so there a Manatee, Florida? There is. Uh, a man was hoping to make a good impression with his date, in what I'm calling a high-stakes date. So in order to make a good impression, he went to Walmart and stole steaks and wine that he cooked up for her on her date. There's not a whole lot to that one. It's just funny. You
1: know, I I was, I still think about every once in a while. Um, You know, you listeners may not know that Mark, Seth, and I all went to the same college. Um, And like most colleges in Texas, if they have a football team and you play football, you get everything you need for free. Yes. You know, all the football players had free dorms, free books, free tuition. And full twenty meal meal ticket, which if you do the math, that's that's basically it's three meals a day, a day
0: minus one, yeah,
1: minus Sunday dinner. I think was when yeah. the, or Sunday breakfast when they were closed, yeah. And that's I remember one thing. of the football players getting suspended because he stole steaks from the Piggly Wiggly, shoplifted steaks from the Piggly Wiggly. And I was, I just, I remember at the moment, think at the time thinking. Why in the world? He has all you can eat, right. three meals a day, seven days a week, minus Sunday breakfast. Why is he stealing steaks? And then I thought, well, because you, you don't ever get steaks in the cafe. Right. <laughs> That's what it was. But you did get pudding that if you wiped the pudding on a butter knife, you can stick it under a table and it will be there three days later.
0: You, do you speak from experience?
1: Yes, I did that, actually.
0: So maybe he had a date, like James Flinnegan – 48 year old from Florida. He is observed by a quote loss prevention officer. That made me chuckle a little bit. <laughs> uh, taking $79.30 worth of goods from the Walmart on Lockwood Ridge Road. Uh, without being questioned, Flinikin said he took the items in order to impress a lady.
2: Well, but you know, $79 these days, that's like what? A uh, thing of chuck and a loaf of bread. So, and the <laughs> cheap $2 wine. So that's not really much. You could fit that in your pockets. Yeah.
0: Said he stole beer, wine, and steaks. So beer was the appetizer, and the wine and steak was the meal. And Jim Jim in the chat room says, have you ever eaten dorm food? Yes, I have, Jim. Many, many meals of it because it's cheap, and it, it came with my scholarship. So, um, Aaron, you said you were going to feed me transitions, and you didn't.
1: Well, you didn't take my last one, so I thought maybe you didn't want them. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you you thumbed your nose at my segways um, and other two wheeled modes of transportation.
0: So you mentioned leaving a knife behind on a under a table for three days. How about leaving a surgical implement inside a patient? Yeah, some uh, what what the headline is calling blundering surgeons left. All right, well you've all read it, so it's not going to work. Chat room, can you guess? How many items left inside a patient? I mean, just just go with your biggest number, and right? then double it. Throw it at me. Throw it at me what what you think a ridiculous a number of items to be left inside a patient would be, and we'll vamp for a few seconds while they do that. Because you've heard about this, right? A sponge. Yeah, yeah you, you might know.
1: leave a sponge and maybe a clamp. Right. Yeah, that that that'd be reasonable if you're going to be an idiot. Right.
0: And, you know, and Aaron, you and I both know working for uh, the medical profession, there are lots and lots and lots of procedures in place. You're supposed to count everything before you go in, count everything when you come out, do all this. Apparently, in Germany, the rules are a little different uh, because Dirk Schroeder, 74-year-old man, suffered, quote, appalling agony after an operation for cancer when 16 different objects were left in his body after prostate cancer surgery. Now, let's consider the proximity of prostate cancer surgery. There's not a lot of room in that area to hide 16 different things. Wow. The family of the patient who died in Germany, now this is bad reporting, DailyMail.co.uk, it's bad reporting. They make it sound like it was the surgery that killed him. He actually lived two more years and cancer killed him. But, uh, uh, he, he died after uh surgeons says, let me read the sentence. Pay patient of the fa- family of a patient who died in Germany after surgeons left 16 items inside his body during an operation or are, are seeking 80,000 pounds, roughly $200,000 compensation for hospital authorities. So that sentence makes you think that that's what killed him. But then you read right. on down farther and no, but, uh, it was two years ago. Uh, a home healthcare worker found some uh, a roll of surgical tape, like sticking out of his wound. Wow! And they went back in. He had to have two different surgeries over the past, and some of the items left in there uh, were a needle, a six-inch roll of gauze, a six-inch-long compress, several swabs, and a fragment of a surgical mask. How? How?
2: How does that happen, Mark? Mark, have you ever done construction?
0: Construction? Yeah. Yes,
2: you know like build houses. Well, everybody knows that like when right before you put up the last piece of sheetrock, you <laughs> usually take like what's in your pockets <laughs> or the junk that you sweep up and you throw it behind the walls. That's so true. you think about this, they've already got it tidied up and they got the surgical waste and then there's no, this probably didn't come from one surgery. They did something and left something in there and they thought, well, I guess you're supposed to leave something in this guy. So the second surgery left something else. And in the third surgery, they just like, well, all this is in there. Let's see if we can outdo them.
0: So. <laughs> because we all know exactly the surgeons the are competitive part. people. They are. So, so the the surgery. Hey, I heard about it.
2: I heard about a guy who left a dozen things in this one guy. A dozen? Come on, guys. We can beat that.
0: We've only got 14. Anybody got anything else? Here's a roll of tape. Yes! Victory! Hey, I'm running out of stuff. How about... Frank, give me your surgical mask. We'll shove that one in there.
1: This is a terrible thing to be making jokes about, but since we're already making jokes about it, I I thought it was more like, you know, we're probably going to have to come back in here anyway. Let's leave a couple... We can leave this clamp and a couple of sponges we'll so it'll be there it. for us when yeah. we come back. Yeah.
0: What What? the most appalling line of the the entire article to me is, quote, the hospital, which has not been named, claimed the items entered the body post-operative. So they're saying that this 70-year-old man went home after surgery and started stuffing things into his own incisions. Medical supply, where'd he get them? He just grabbed a scalpel on his way out of the hospital? That's that's the most boneheaded line of the whole article.
1: Yeah, that's just crazy.
0: Of course, they did wait till after the patient died three years. This happened in 2009. So it's been four years since this happened. And now they're suing. That makes me wonder what's up. You know, if maybe, well, you
2: know, there was probably remediation or something they tried before then, um, and then whenever they're like, he died, we're not going to pursue the mediation anymore. Oh yeah, we'll sue. I was
0: that's waiting for I your transition.
1: Aaron. I'm uh, waiting for it. You promised me transitions. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so I'm on, just trying to show a little self-control.
0: There you go. Self-control is apparently a difficult thing. Uh, it's important in any scientific study to have a control group. Whatever you're going to study You need to have, you know, the people who are taking the medicine and the people who aren't taking the medicine. People who aren't taking medicine are considered the control group, the normal behavior. Well, a uh, study in uh, Canada was going to study the effects of porn on young men. But they had to scrap it because they could not find any young men who had not seen porn in Canada. They couldn't find a self-control
1: group. They should have consulted the mullets.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking, are there no you know, Mormons in, in, uh, in Canada? They tend to be squeaky clean type peoples. Uh, it says, a study, uh, a study into how porn affects men was dropped when experts failed to find any, not a significant number, not enough, any young men who had not wa- watched it. Researchers in Canada wanted to compare the behavior of men who consumed porn with those who had never looked at it at all. The Montreal University professor Simon Lewis Gajunais said, we started our research by seeking men in their 20s who had never consumed pornography, but we couldn't find any at all. However, the research did find that on average heterosexual men first glimpse porn at the age of 10 years. Single men look at porn on an average of 40 minutes three times a week, while those with a partner 20 minutes twice a week
1: i'm surprised well i guess the 10 years old thing i don't know I, I wouldn't i'm always surprised really, if there wasn't i guess that's the average yeah it, and it, i think it, that's it,
0: probably uh a wide dis- uh, net of porn so that's like you saw your dad's playboy that counts as porn yeah most times yeah playboy you know counts as-
2: this study <laughs> this study doesn't a- Say you know people who are hardcore porn addicts, but once you've looked at porn, you can't unlook at porn. Right. So you know, I think I was probably about, I was probably about at age, or actually no, I was younger the first time I saw it. But that didn't mean that you know I was going out and buying it right. every week or whatever. Right. So, but that's uh, the thing
0: they were looking for a, comp- a totally a control group, somebody who had never looked at porn, and and they couldn't find it. Now I'm okay. sure they just didn't look hard enough. Surely they're out there.
2: No, um, well, let's think about this, guys. You know,
0: we're we're all in the forty degree, uh, forty degree, forty uh, year old age range. Um, it's a very different world. With the oh, yeah. the way we were introduced to porn was our dads or our brothers or our cousins' Playboy collection. But now, I mean, it's literally a click away, whether you're looking for it or not. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, now that I think about that, um, it's kind of amazing that a kid would make it to 10 years old without stumbling into something.
2: I think that as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because, you know, I
1: remember back in the day being, you know, early teen, preteen, and if, you know, one of the guys got a hold of a Playboy somewhere, it was like, how did he manage to get a hold of that? Right, You know?
0: It was a prize. It was a, a yeah, possession yeah. to be treasured.
1: Yeah, it's got real boobs in it. It's not <laughs> National Geographic or something like that, or you know, a, a book in the library about physical, um, you know, physiology. It's got real women.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. And
1: articles, in articles
0: too. <laughs> in articles, yes, on how to set up a quadraphonic stereo system. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but my first experience that I can remember was. Uh, my brother and one of his friends, they were three years older than me. We were in the back of a convenience store somewhere where they had the, you know, had the, the biker magazines, you know, uh, uh bikes and, and jugs, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and they, Hey, look at this. And that, so that would be my first experience. But now, I mean, it's a very different world. Jim Peason in the chat room says maybe folks that live in Seth's area might have trouble looking at porn. That's right. There's no real internet access there, so it would be Uh difficult for them. Right.
2: Well, I mean, there is. So I'm sure there's. You know, it wouldn't be too hard. It would just take a little work for an enterprising young student to do that.
1: It's all in slow motion, (laughs) Seth's.
0: Seth's internet travels underwater. Um so okay I'm gonna preface this by saying this next story is not funny it is not uh bizarre um and if you're why easily, are we talking about <laughs> if you're easily offended well if you're easily offended you wouldn't get this far but if 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 you don't like discussing um uh, socio political hot buttons, just turn it off now and we'll see you next week uh but uh this was a, an article that Jim sent to me um about uh a, a man uh, a uh, restaurant owner, and I'm trying to look at where it was. I don't think it says in the article. It, it was in New Bern, there North Carolina. New Bern North. There we go. Yeah. New Bern. Two words. North Carolina. A, a married uh, female couple. Apparently, that's legal in North Carolina. Some states it is. Some states it isn't. Um, enjoyed a meal at the Stingray Cafe in New Bern, North Carolina. After they settled the bill and were preparing to leave, the owner... Ed McGovern handed the couple a handwritten letter, and I'm going to totally disagree with the statement that the uh, the writer of the article says here, uh, that basically says God hates gays. That's not at all what the article, what the letter says, but that's the take of it. So they posted uh, a picture of it and a transcription of it. The text of the letter said this: "God said in the last days that man and women would be the lover of self." more than the lover of God that man and woman would have unnatural affection for one another misspelled by the way uh, affection. Then the coming of the son of the man who is, G- uh, then the coming of the son of the man who is Jesus. So please look at your life. See how it hurts everyone around you. Ask the Lord to open your eyes before it's too late. Uh, the love of Christ, my daughter, uh, uh love, oh, of, Christ. love of Christ. The love of Christ. P.S. My daughter was also gay. It destroyed her life and my grandson and
1: mark actually was very nice to the person because he read it in better english than it was written yeah,
0: yeah he did oh, and jim says he didn't send that one okay i thought i thought you did maybe i found it of my own i don't remember but uh what what i found interesting about this is uh this was taken out well i'll keep reading um the the McPhail's, uh, the couple is the McPhail's. They're speaking out about the incident because, quote, if we're experiencing it, then other people are too, and that's not fair, said Ariel McPhail. Uh, when McGovern was reached for comment, he confirmed that he had given the women the letter and that he's previously given another lesbian couple a letter because, um, and again, this is the, the letter quote, because he is apparently on full-time lesbian watch. Uh, McGovern claims that he saw the McPhail's kissing in front of his restaurant prior to coming in, Though the couple says they were only holding hands, uh, and that begs the observation that McGovern was offended enough to write the letter, but not offended enough to refuse the couple's money. Now, those are some principles. So that's that's the article, the quote there. I totally take issue with that last sentence altogether. This was not a letter of offense, the way I read it. This was a letter of warning. He said, "My my daughter went through this, and it ruined her life. I would. I'm trying to save you from this." So. If, if I saw somebody engaging in destructive behavior that I firmly, truly, from my core, believed would destroy them, and I didn't write them a letter, what kind of a dirt bag would I be? Right. This isn't a man who was offended. This is a man who is compassionate. Now, it doesn't matter whether you agree with him. Clearly, um, he disagreed with the couple, and the couple disagreed with him, but it was not an act of... Of offensiveness or of offense, it was an act of compassion. That's my take on it. What do you guys think? Well,
1: I think hit what he did may offend you, but I don't think he was lashing out or trying to be offensive. Right. It was not an attack. I know, at least that's the way I read it. It's you know, I think the guy in in his mind he he sees it like you said, Mark, because he's trying to help him and whatever, short sighted awkward right. offensive way he's doing it.
0: Clearly his, it was not effective. He did not choose the uh, most effective way to deliver he his chose message. Poorly. He chose poorly. Uh it reminds me of and if I can find it, uh, it won't be hard to find. but If I remember to find it, I'll uh, track down the link and put it in the show notes. Um there was an article uh, a YouTube video that Teller of Penn and Teller, the music and the magician uh act put on yes. uh, on YouTube. He is a, an avowed atheist, a very um, vocal atheist. And he tells a story about a man who came to their show like three nights in a row. And at the end of the third night, walked up to him and it was very gracious and very, um, you know, you, I love your act. I, I You're great. You're, you're wonderful people. And he handed him a card and didn't say anything else. And the card said, you know, basically the the... The plan of salvation. You you need to be saved. Jesus is going to save you. Things like that. I don't know exactly what it was. Um, it, he wasn't very clear on that. And I don't. It was a long time ago that I read it. And so, but uh, teller's no, excuse me, pen's uh, um, response to this was that is the most honorable thing he's ever seen a Christian do because he stood up for his beliefs. And he makes the point, if you believe I'm going to hell, how much do you have to hate me to not say something about it? And so that's an interesting take on it. And that's the, the way, you know, Mr. Uh, Ed McGovern didn't hate these people. He loved them. He had compassion for them. He cared for them and wanted to save them save them from that which he thought would destroy their lives. I'm not applauding the guy. I just don't think we ought to be berating him either. Right. What do you think, Seth?
2: Well, I um, I agree with you that what the guy wrote on the letter and the offense the author of the story took from it are two totally different things. And it's not like the guy... Went out looking for people to give this to. It was his restaurant, and he chose to give the letter. It doesn't sound like he, you know, made them sit through a minute gospel presentation. And if if they were offended, well, don't ever come back right. and tell people I was offended. Don't go there. But it's his business. He can do what he wants. Uh, at least he used to be able to in this country. And um, so you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened because I can't read through the the author's bias well enough to know for sure. But you know, I just think it's like, hey, let's bash Christians, and here's a great way to do it, and let's you know make Christians look petty, mean, spiteful, and vindictive, and make people who believe differently come out the honorable saints in it. And um, you know, so I could have done without the the viciousness. That the article was written in, uh, that's what I think.
0: And uh, what's what's absent from the article is any mention of substandard service or that they were made uncomfortable uh, prior to that moment. Yeah, it's saying that it reads to me like they came in, they were served, they were treated with respect, uh, due a customer, and as they left, they were handed this letter. And and nothing more. And of course, the comments, as as internet comments do, uh, focus on the fact that he's doesn't write very well, and and he's illiterate and he's an idiot. Um, one of them says maybe uh, he should ask the Lord to teach him about spelling, grammar, and punctuation. Then he'd look slightly less like an idiot. Um, but clearly, this is a this is a, a website. Uh, um, <sighs> About I don't know I'm not going to say it's about gays but it's obviously uh, pro gay and uh, the so the audience is so they're going to f- find this offensive and I get that I, I I'm fine with all of that uh, but I just I just want to it, it it struck me as the kind of thing that we see often is the well intentioned respectful guy who disagrees with you is an arrogant dirtbag. You know, but the arrogant dirtbag who agrees with you is a nice guy. We'll make excuses for the people who agree with us, and we ridicule those who don't. and And it seems to me that uh, Ed McGovern was was really being as gracious as he knew how to be.
1: Yeah. Uh, just for fun, I took the two ladies' names, Googled it, um, found a link to a you know, it's not, I'm sure it's um, never heard of the website. It's I'm not going to. Promote it. You can Google it yourself if you're interested in digging into the the depths of the internets. But it's apparently a, le- a lesbian, gay, bi, transgender you know site about injustices being given to to those people of the uh, of of that um, classification. And they, I say classification because they've classified themselves that you know lesbian, gay, bi, bisexual, transgender. And so there's an article about this article, which is why it, yeah, I found it. And um the The part that's kind of interesting is it goes a little bit. It's a little bit more in depth story. It says he's delivered several. He admits he's delivered several letters about that. It was actually on the ABC affiliate channel from the area, so made made the local big news. Um, but the I don't. I didn't verify this, but it says it's the Stingray Cafe is what it is. The Stingray Cafe's rating on Yelp plummeted from four stars to one in twenty four hours. As the sky, as the reviews skyrocket from a handful to two hundred and forty and counting.
0: And so, you know, none of those people actually went to the restaurant. Right. They they just read this article.
1: And it says uh it ends with Since McGovern, that's the guy's name, is a fan of giving uh unsolicited advice, let's see if he wants mine. People in public accommodation business should keep their bigotries to themselves. But I look at it like he didn't do it in the but restaurant. People in
2: the news business yeah, but people in the news business should express their bigotries to everyone, whether they want to hear them or not.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here's a, a a comment on one of the on the an MSN article about it. it says he did serve them. So under equal protection laws, I don't think they were being discriminated against in the official sense. Doesn't stop him from being a jerk though.
1: Right. Well, yeah, they said they, and that's the thing too. They they slam him for taking their money. Right. But if he had diffused their service, then it would have been even worse. Right. Then he got slammed for that. So his only option, his only option was to keep his mouth shut about his own beliefs. So they can have their beliefs and display themselves however and do whatever they want to do and and all that sacred. But somebody else expressing their beliefs in, a, in disagreement is always going to be... Uh, slammed what the other word is for
0: you know i I, every day i wear a a small silver cross around my neck uh and yeah yeah and there's only been you know i've been wearing that for almost 20 years now uh and there's only been a couple of times but there have been times when people have commented negatively on the cross they you know are um antagonistic toward christianity and believe that because i wear that cross i am an antagonistic individual um and so my my point there is is that it exists on both sides you know people right. see a symbol or an act and make an assumption and act based on it and wh- whether it's it's uh right or not it is something that happens Uh, but the, and so we have to look at the way it happens. He didn't spit vile and venom at them. He didn't yell at them. He didn't chase them out. He didn't refuse to serve, serve them. He simply handed them a letter that the end of the letter, I think wraps it up very, uh, succinctly. It says, I watched my daughter go through this. It was negative. I don't want you to go through the same thing. It was a very compassionate act the way I read it. And according to to Penn,
1: if he didn't tell him, he would hate him.
0: That's right. How much do you have to hate somebody to let them go to hell. Uh, so you know if you're a if you're a a, a Christian or a, a Muslim or a, a Buddhist, if you believe that your way is the only way, and you're not telling people, you're a hate monger, according to okay. you know Pendjelat.
1: Well, I found the YouTube video. I'm pretty sure Mark of the, the one you're talking about. I put the link in the in the chat room already. Okay, and I also put a chat room uh, uh, a link in the chat room of two cats fighting. <laughs> that was caught on a dash cam and they play like some old west music behind it like they're in a standoff it's very funny
0: so anyway um that's that was the last story i wanted to wrap up with i i think it was an interesting discussion there's been uh you know uh, uh particularly this week when the uh, obama administration announced some rather sweeping intent regarding uh the uh, american ability to buy certain types of weapons i've seen you know Vitriol and furor online uh, about that in in you know huge ways and it just got me to thinking about the whole concept of tolerance and and you know what what is tolerance and what is compassion and uh, are our definitions of them correct you know and and the the way I read this encounter is that he displayed an act of tremendous compassion, but. You know the but, the the people who were offended by it read it as an act of idiocy and rudeness and you know just general douchebaggery. Uh, yeah. So you know it just it it just depends on how you look at it. But I think it's it's important to try at try. least to understand the true nature of the situation rather than going quickly and immediately to your own uh, biases.
1: Yeah, and that's why I don't Definitely. mind. I don't get mad if a uh, um, um, Mormon knocks on my door or Jehovah's Witness knocks on my door. Or we used to have we had this sweet little older couple from the Church of Christ down the street that tried to get Cheryl and I to go with them to church for a year. The whole time we lived in the house, they'd just come by and and, uh, and Cheryl's like, "No, we 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 do go to church and we we found a church and we're happy with it." Well, just in case, want you to know we're down the street and you know, here's a Bible study. You can do this. <laughs> right. Come back by and pick her Bible study up that she would do and uh it was it was hilarious. Not hilarious bad, but hilarious like their uh their their love and compassion and well they were not offensive. They were sweet, and if we had said don't come back, they wouldn't have come back.
0: Right. At Jim in the chat room says they're probably oversensitive. Jim, I think the entire culture is oversensitive.
1: The world.
0: Yeah. And we're, um, it's interesting that in the name of tolerance, we've become intolerant. Um, Seth, you started to say something earlier.
2: Um, uh, I don't know. Okay. So, uh, that was a while back. I think you covered it and I just said, okay. Yeah. All
0: right. So that's, that's all I got this week. Um, Something to think about, I hope. <laughs> My wife says the f- the new firewall I put in is frustrating her. Okay, honey, I will try to deal with it. Can I finish the show first? Is that okay? My
1: six-year-old son um, wants me to spell I-cup. Over, you know, he said, Dad,
0: spell I-cup. Don't i Don't even like, know what that word is, son.
1: And I was like, I knew what he wanted me to say. He wanted me to say ICUP.
0: Oh, gotcha.
1: <laughs> so of course I went through the whole EYECUP. No, Dad. Like the iPhone, I-C-U-P. Spell it.
0: <laughs> IKUP. Yeah, got it.
1: He was he was upset the other day about something. He got mad about something, and I don't remember what it was. And he said, well, "Dad, what you do do is," and I said, "You said do do," uh-huh. and that was the end of it. That was the end of the whole, he couldn't be mad at that point. Right. He spent the next 10 minutes laughing in the back of the car because he had said doo-doo. I
0: do, <laughs> I do that in every business meeting or, or anything we do. Somebody says, what we do do, I, I can't help it. I turned <laughs> all views and butthead. He said yeah. doo-doo.
1: <laughs> if, only okay. had, if only we had make world peace that easily. <laughs> and Gorbachev says, if you move those missiles across that border, what we're going to do do is... And B- Bush say, "Ah, he's said doo doo," and they hog and that's at the end of it. That'd have been awesome.
0: Can we all just get along? Yes, my wife says uh, in the chat room, Georgia mom, that a uh, junior high boy comes out every time. He's there, always just behind the surface, waiting for the opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I as still, a forty-three-year-old
1: man now, I, I realize that all adults are just pretending to right. not be kids.
0: There's a thin veneer of maturity. And behind that is the kid, you know, I, I say things to my kids all the time. Like, you know, a cookie falls on the floor. Well, it's been on the floor, throw it away. When inside, I'm thinking, I'd eat that cookie. I'd pick it up right now and eat it. Wouldn't bother me at all. But I have oh, yeah. to tell them that they can't. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's the, the way to, to end the show, right? So we were serious and then we talked about doo-doo. So <laughs> that's the way to end the that's show. That's what we do do here. That's what we do do. <laughs> that's the title of the show. That's what we do do. Uh, So good night, everybody. We'll see you next. Oh, wait, before we do that, Aaron, have you got a plug you'd like to make in any way?
1: I'd like to plug um, the American Cancer Society. If you would like to donate to the American Cancer Society, we've got a discount right now, 50% off. It was going for $100 a mile. Now it's $50 a mile. What are you talking about, Aaron? You might ask, and I'm going to tell you right now. I'm talking about the fact that I'm training to run a marathon, 26.2 miles. And I'm asking people to sponsor me on that marathon, originally at $100 a mile, but now we're down to $50 a mile because I, I've been told by several people that $100 was just a little bit too much of a big buy-in. So I'm trying to make it more accessible. $50 a mile, $25 a half mile. You'll get a cool t-shirt. The money goes all 100% to the American Cancer Society. Uh, and it would, it would make me feel warm in my heart and um, make my feet move a little faster if I had people sponsor me on each mile. I will run your mile the hardest, I promise. If you donate that $50 and the way you can do that is go to one meal, one workout.com. over on the right side. There's a thing that says sponsor me and has a little link and a little thing about it. Um, I actually, I think the, the webpage itself still says a hundred dollars, but ignore that. Ignore that hundred dollars there. You just go ahead and donate 50 and we'll just call it square. That's
0: the fact it. is donate anything.
1: Absolutely. You know? I don't care how much you donate. I, anything is, anything is great. All right. Cancer, that
0: say that. cancer is, a, is a, a scourge upon our society, and it needs to be eradicated. And uh, the American Cancer Society is doing good work to that. Seth, you got anything to say before we say goodnight?
2: Um, no, not really. <laughs> Nothing that wouldn't be broken up by the time lag, the distortion field.
0: <laughs> All right. And so I will simply say, if you're watching this on the YouTubes and you've never heard of us before, go to elementop.com. That's Opie as in Opie Taylor, O-P-I-E. Or I should now say Opie as in um, uh, Sons of Anarchy, because more people know that now than know yeah. Opie Taylor. So um, go there, check out the other shows that we do. Um, and if you're so inclined, you know, you want to throw me a couple of bucks, there's a tip jar there, that'd be awesome too. If you're doing any shopping online at uh, Amazon, I uh, would appreciate it. If you go to elementop.com slash Amazon, you don't pay any more, I get... A- A small commission from Amazon. So that's all the commercials I'm going to do. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week. That ends this episode of The Periodic Table.